Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wiki Weekdays podcast. I'm your host for the week. There's a little bit stuffed up, so I do apologise for that. But I am Lucas Holland, and I am joined, as always, by the lovely Carl Smallwood. Hell, goddamn, yeah. I see Stitch behind you. He's chilling. Stitch and Wiggler. They're always just there, waiting behind me. That's Moral support. Girl Stigler. Let's go. <laughs> and, of course, the Wiki Weekdays podcast. Both Carl and I bring a wiki to discuss... For the week, mm-hmm. and we just basically ask all of you guys to listen through, and at the end decide which wiki won this week. Yes, www. Let's go. <laughs> and of course, you can find us both on podcast services and on our YouTube channel. And just remember to you know like, subscribe, share on YouTube, uh, give us a rating on podcast services. Any of that stuff just really helps us out. Mm-hmm. But you know what else helps us out, Carl? That's you bringing a wiki yeah. for us. Actually having a wiki, yeah. So, since we're, like, you know, we're in spooky month, we're midway through October now. Mm-hmm. Uh, spooky month is well and truly underway. So I thought I would pick the spookiest of spookies, Lucas. And we're going to talk about It the Clown. Or Pennywise the Clown, a.k.a. It the Creature. Do okay, you know why, so Lucas? Because spooky I, clown. I, I know, I mean, all clowns are spooky, Carl. They are, yes. <laughs> but, um, it's like... I wasn't sure whether it was actually the name of anything or that's just the name of the movie. But It is the name of the creature, mm-hmm. um, which sometimes takes the guise of Pennywise the Clown. Okay. And have you, like, how familiar are you with the lore of the It series? So I'm only really familiar with it through, you know, like pop culture osmosis. Mm-hmm. Um, You're not the biggest horror fan, right? I'm not really into horror movies or anything like that. So yeah, I I have not watched any of the It franchise. I'm um, very familiar with the iconography that is Pennywise the Clown and the little floating red balloon. Do you know who else was it that the people who made the remake? Because fucking out, do you get tired <laughs> of Pennywise by yeah. the end of that? Because that's the thing. Like, people might not know this. Like it in the original novel by Stephen King, it only assumes the form of the clown. Every now and again, it's actually like this, like entity from beyond the stars that like feeds on the fear of children, and actually just looks more like a giant rubber spider, which is what it looks like in the the original TV movies, where it's just a big rubber spider. And it, but <laughs> do you know that thing that like Hollywood has done, where it'll just take one thing, one bit of iconography, like you said, from the original. What's the thing people know about the It movie? Well, it's Pennywise the Clown. Put all of our eggs into Pennywise the Clown basket. It's like that's. Yeah, because that's the thing, if you asked me, as somebody who has never watched it, like, what what do you know from that franchise? It's like, I know of Pennywise the Clown. Like, mm-hmm. great, so make the entire franchise around Pennywise the Clown then. Yeah, to the point where I think for It Chapter 2, like the remake version, they went back and they reshot stuff with all the kids in the first movie, just to put more, like, Pennywise scenes in. Like, they just shot random extra, and used CGI to de-age them. Because obviously by that point, they're all aged like two, three years, and they were like mm-hmm. no longer kids, they're teenagers, but like they wanted more spooky clown footage, so they went back and literally reshot it. But anyway, it is the titular main antagonist in Stephen King's 1986 horror novel, It. The character is an ancient, trans-dimensional evil entity who preys upon the children, and occasionally adults, of Derry in Maine roughly every 27 years, using a variety of powers that include the ability to shapeshift, manipulate reality, and go largely unnoticed by adults. That's the thing, did you know that it could do any of this, or did you think it was a clown? I knew it could shapeshift, but manipulate reality. Yes, because one of like the best things about the series is the visuals. 
in the TV movie and in the um, mm-hmm. you know the remake, which is okay, but I think you just lean too hard into like ooh spooky clown stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the scariest and most unsettling things is is that adults can't see what Pennywise or it is doing. Like there's a bit where like mm. it just caused this fountain of blood to explode in like this little girl's bathroom, and her parents walks in and like, "What are you doing?" So oh. I'm cleaning, and like, what do you mean you're cleaning? There's nothing here. So she just sees a bathroom covered in blood, and her parents are like, what are you talking about? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that thing of like, the kids think they're going crazy. And I, just before we get more into it specifically, can we just mm-hmm. talk about how the fact that like, Stephen King was the only person who wrote books for 20 years, apparently? Yeah. Just every well, time we discuss any movie from like the 80s or something, it's like, the Stephen King thing. Well, the joke is, is that, uh, like, the co-author of all of his books was cocaine. And that's a joke <laughs> that Stephen King himself has said. It's like, Cujo, one of my favourite, like, horror books, horror films. Like, just about a big dog that bites people. Mm-hmm. Stephen King doesn't remember writing Cujo. No. Because he wrote it on a cocaine binge in a weekend. And said it, and his publisher just rolling up one day and was like, Oh, Stephen, we love the book. He's like, what book? He's like, you sent us a manuscript about a, a, a dog called Cujo. He's like, I don't remember writing that. And it's like, what? He just went on a cocaine binge and wrote one of the best horror novels of the last, like, 30, 40 years. That must be one of, like, the most wholesome, like, drug binges of just, like, you just get really high and just start writing books and sending them out. It's what he'd do, yeah. He'd write uh, it. is the one notable exception to that rule of Stephen King where he spent years writing it. Like, mm. he just kept coming back to it and coming back to it and coming back to it. And, like, if you've not seen the original It novel, it's, like, this thick. It is ridiculous. It's, like, 3,000 pages. That's why the movie has to be two parts. Mm. We say yeah. here, so, uh, during the course of the story... It primarily takes the form of Pennywise the Dancing Clown. The Losers Club becomes aware of Pennywise's presence after he kills Bill's little brother Georgie. And that's like the bit where you see him in the sewer with the balloons mm. and we all float down here. Um, King stated in a 2013 interview that he came up with the idea for Pennywise after asking himself what children feared more than anything else in the world. And feeling that the answer was clowns. And <laughs> it's, I just, it's right though, isn't it? It's it's so true, and I don't know how clowns have become so pervasive as like a kid's entertainer because they're terrifying. Well, did you see there was a oddly enough done in Sheffield? Um, we mm. have the children's hospital here, right? You know, like the, yeah. the Sheffield Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Which fun fact about the Sheffield Children's Hospital um, has a mascot, which is like a bear with like it's got an injured eye. But there it's is not a, Pudsy the bear. It's not Pudsy, and there is like another British charity that's like children in need, which they're. Mm-hmm. So their mascot is a bear that has like an injured eye because that's a pretty base and that's a, it's a pretty basic mascot for like oh kids are injured kids like teddy bears the teddy bear's got a boo boo look we're helping the teddy bear mm-hmm. children in need sued the children's hospital in Sheffield over the rights to use that image until it turned out that Sheffield hospital had it first <laughs> and they agreed to settle their differences out of court because it wasn't a good look for a charity for children to be suing a hospital for children with cancer and, and terminal diseases. I love the idea, though, that it was completely fine up until they realised they're the ones that could get sued. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 this would be ridiculous. Let's let's just settle this. Anyway, the uh, the Children's Hospital, they have a lot of research done there on like ways to make um, uh, like the hospital stays for children less scary. Mm-hmm. Like One of the studies they did was about like um, creating things like teenage wards. Mm-hmm. And there's a story told of, like, there was this, like, teenage, like, 14, 15 years old. Like that age, you get some pretty adult-looking 14, 15-year-olds, can't you? And yeah. it's like, but you can't put them on an adult ward. 
because the adult wards are depressing as fuck, but you can't mm-hmm. put on the kids' ward. Because there's a story of like this teenager who had cancer, and he was like on a cancer ward for kids, but some guy walked in like, what's he doing here? Oh, well, my God. four-year-old daughter's here, what's that man doing in this ward? And it's like that. It's... So they come up with the idea of well, wards for teenagers, for example, because it's, believe it or not, folks at home, like, if you are stressed, your recovery is kind of like ruined a little bit. Mm-hmm. And one and, of the sleep. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say the, the thing that made like my hospital visit when I was I had like surgery as a kid was just like walking down the hallway to a PlayStation One with Soul Blade on it. Yeah, that's the thing. That's one of those things that they do. Like, yeah, you need something not? to distract the kids. And one of the studies that Sheffield like Children's Hospital did is um, the motif that you put in wards. So for adults, it's just you want it clean, you want it pristine. They don't really give a shit. Kids, they find a very sterile, like completely neutrally coloured environment unsettling. Mm-hmm. They say, okay, so what would they like painted on the walls to put them at ease? Like what colours? And during the course of their study, literally every single child asked said they found clowns scary. Every <laughs> single one. And you had actual clowns saying, no, it's not. That's not accurate. Because we go to hospitals and kids love it. And it's like, no, they're just terrified to tell you. Yeah, is it that they just grin and bear it and then just hate it the entire time? Yeah. And admittedly, Pennywise is a very scary-looking clown in both of his incarnations, which, for anyone who doesn't remember or isn't aware, the original in 1990, the television adaptation, was played by Tim Curry. The yeah. legend that is Tim fucking Curry. God, I love Tim Curry. Like, did you ever see there's that like great interview? Like, There's a role that he was going to get. No, I think it was like the Joker. Like he oh, originally right. auditioned to play the Joker in the animated series before it went to Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. And when they were asked, like, is it is it true that Tim Curry originally auditioned to be the Joker? And went, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, surely Tim Curry was a bigger get than Mark Hamill at the time. Actually, you know, Mark Hamill's like scat, but Tim yeah. Curry's like a better voice actor. And like, he was. That was the problem. He was too scary. Because oh, Tim right. Curry was <laughs> fucking terrifying in his audition. Like, he's too scary. So that's, like, in my head, I was like, Tim Curry makes perfect sense for the Joker, especially like a you know voice acted animated Joker. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds great, and it's like yeah, he was just too good. Yeah, and then we have uh, played by Bill Skarsgård in the 2017 film adaptation and its sequel. And just when I found out, it was like 50 Skarsgårds. Like, they're just yeah, part of this yeah. like dynasty of Skarsgårds. But is it just that it's a very popular name? Is that all it is? No, they're all related. Uh, a lot of them are okay. Yeah. yeah. Like nepotism knows no bounds, but yeah. So, <laughs> like, just oh god, like it's such it's like Tim Curry is so good as Pennywise, and like Skarsgård did a great job. And mm-hmm. there's that like really great behind the scenes image you've ever seen it of like in the sequel. Um, Bill Hader is he's talking to um, uh, Skarsgård in his like candid shot they got. Yeah. And apparently, like the conversation that ensued is Hader was asking Skarsgård like, "How do they get like your eyes to do that thing you do in the film?" Like Pennywise's eyes like disconnecting fly around the joint. And Skarsgård just says, Oh, I can do that for real. Watch. And he's in full Pennywise outfit and he does it. And he's in the shot, like the series of shots, you see Bill Hader start to run away because he's scared of clowns. Oh, that's great. Say so that uh, King thought that a troll, um, like King thought of a troll like the one in the children's tale, uh, three Billy Goats Gruff, although he imagined it living in a sewer system rather than under a bridge, and that it was a clown instead of a troll. So that was the inspiration. Like, kids are scared of clowns. I want to imagine it like, you know, the troll living under a bridge. But instead of a bridge, it's a sewer. 
It's a sewer clown. And to be fair, if there was, if I saw a clown <laughs> in the sewers, I'd be like, fuck going in the sewers. Can you imagine, though, it being the UK version where it's like, he's just tried to get you to come through, like, the grid instead? <laughs> it's like, in, the U- in the UK on. version, you have to deal with all those fucking, those fat bergs. You ever seen that? <laughs> People don't know, in the UK, like, we have this big problem, literally big problem of... Um, People like flushing fat down the toilet. Oh, yeah. And like fatty diets are causing what are known as fatbergs, which are just like, because obviously fat doesn't really, it's not soluble in water. And it's meshing with like, you know, those bum wipes that people use that aren't supposed to be flushed. Mm-hmm. And they're creating like double decker bus size blockages in the sewers that people have got to go down and poke through with sticks. Yeah, because obviously people will never listen of like, don't put the the wipes down the toilet. Like, don't put your oils down your drain. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, let your your oils harden up and then put them in the bin. It's like, no, no, no. Let's not do that. Let's just pour like nice hot oil down our our drains, and then it just blocks off everything and fucks it all up. Now imagine it down there. Like, I hate it. <laughs> like, you know what though? They do float. So appearances in the original novel. Um, it is a shape-shifting monster who, as mentioned, usually takes the form of Pennywise, a dancing clown, originating in a void in the surrounding universe, a place referred to in the novel as the Macroverse, something they wisely cut out of the television and movie adaptations because it's fucking stupid. Because mm. like the original thing says, like, oh yeah, do you like the universe being on the back of a big turtle? That's where it oh, comes from. Yeah. It's an extra-dimensional monster from the Turtleverse, and everyone's like, shut up. Just cut it's, that out. You don't, like... I, I don't feel the need when it's like, oh, weird horror monster, to actually explain where it comes from. If anything, yeah, it just makes it more stupid. What's well, the, the general rule of thumb when it comes to horror is the more you explain about a monster, the less scary it becomes. Because horror and fear generally comes from the unknown. And even mm-hmm. if like, you can say, like, if you're scared of, like, for example, sharks. I'm, like, you know, I'd be scared of a shark if I saw one. Like, but the real thing you're scared of is the fact that there might be a shark there. That's mm-hmm. the unknown, the unknown aspects. Like, oh, you're scared of the dark. It's because you don't know what's out there. Scared of spiders. You don't know what the spider's going to do. Um, but like, with a horror monster like it, you don't know what its purpose is, where it came from. But when the novel just tells you, oh, it's an extra-dimensional alien from the, the turtle yeah. world, you're like, foot this. Anyway, it arrived on Earth during an asteroid impact and made its home under the land upon which Derry would later be constructed, initially preying on North American tribes. And I love the idea that he kept the clown outfit <laughs> while preying on Native Americans. And they're like, the fuck is that? Well, you just see, like, Lakota tribes or something like that. The fuck is this weird clown thing? Like, you knew the wait, white man I... was trouble, but this is the whiter <laughs> man. <laughs> a, a clown's not a thing yet, guys. They not hit your universe yet. Yeah, it arrived on Earth. Oh, yeah, there we go. So it slept for millions of years, and then, when humans appeared, it awoke and began a feeding cycle lasting about a year feeding on people's fears and frequently assume the shape of whatever its prey feared the most. And that's where the novel is really interesting. Of like, It's not just that it... And this is what makes it so funny, like, you know, with modern context of everyone fucking hating clowns. The reason it assumes the form of Pennywise the Dancing Clown is because Pennywise the Dancing Clown is non-threatening. And that's something they actually do in the original. In the original, like Pennywise, Tim Curry, he has that amazing ability as an actor to go between being like quite jovial, quite friendly, welcoming, and then he can just turn it on in a second and be like mm-hmm. frightening as fuck. And that's the idea. It's like it assumes the form of Pennywise the Clown. Pennywise, oh, look, it's a fun clown dancing with a balloon. And then in the remake, Pennywise is terrifying from second one. Yeah, yeah. Which is not the point. 
The point is that he's supposed to assume that form to be non-threatening, to yeah, lower the he's, children's guard. He's, he's like luring the children in with Pennywise, right? What's the thing? If I send you the picture they use on Wikipedia, like look at mm. Tim Curry as Pennywise and then look at Skarsgård as Pennywise. Like Tim Curry, like, he looks... He's, okay, he's a little bit scary because he's a clown. But you see him, don't you? He's like, yeah, the, like the bright, colourful thing. He's scary in the sense that clowns are inherently scary, but he's not got like a scary face or, like, or expression or anything like that. No, and then you look at the Skarsgård one and it's fucking terrifying. And that's like, yeah. the people making that movie didn't realise that was the point of the book. Mm-hmm. Even though they presumably read the book or at least watched the original movie. You would hope. Yeah. Well, either way, and it says here, so, um, uh, it would then, res- after feeding, it would resume hibernation for approximately 30 years before reappearing. As a preference for children, since their fears are easier to interpret and adults more difficult to frighten while it is in a physical form. It can manipulate the weak will, making them indifferent to the hor- horrific events that unfold or even serve as unwitting accomplices. And that's the thing, right? Like, that's why it targets children, because children, their fears are very basic and mm-hmm. thus easy to manipulate and take advantage of, whereas usually it's like targets children who are victims of abuse or bullying because their parents are indifferent to their suffering. And so it's really easy to pick on those kids. It was like the kids were from the Losers Club. Yeah, it's just a bunch of kids who get picked on. Yeah, so exactly, like, that's already a bunch of vulnerable kids, right? Yeah. It says, in the novel, it claims that its true name is Robert Gray, but decided to be named It. Throughout the novel, it is generally referred to as male, usually appearing as Pennywise. The losers came to believe it may be female after seeing it in the form of a monstrous giant spider that lays eggs. However, its true appearance is only briefly observed by Bill Denbrow via the ritual of Chewed as a mass of swirling destructive orange lights known as the Deadlight, which inflict insanity or death upon any living being that sees them directly. And that's like, you know, quite you know, Cthulhu-esque. Like, to look upon it is to witness madness. Yeah, and, um, you know, I I immediately went to Mimic You because it's like, if you see the actual form of Mimic You under the Pikachu disguise, you're meant to die instantly. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's very like, Lovecraftian-esque, isn't it? It's like, it's, Cthulhu, it's a f- Mimic You, they're about the same. <laughs> it's a form beyond human comprehension. It's, like, it's natural enemy is the Space Turtle, another ancient dweller of King's Macro. Oh, God, speaking of giant monsters, a fly just come in. <laughs> the Raisin. Uh <sighs> the turtle created the known universe by vomiting them out as a result of a stomachache. This turtle makes cameo appearances in the Dark Tower series. Is that that's why they leave it out of just like it's yeah. it's not necessary. It's stupid and it bogs down what is otherwise a pretty interesting horror premise. It's a creature that preys on. It's weird that like it's one of the simplest premises of it is a monster that can turn into whatever you're scared of. Mm-hmm. And that's what it wants. But then the novel's like this thick. Yeah. Whereas like Stephen King is like the master of the short horror story, and this is a perfect vehicle for that, and it's his longest book. So throughout the novel, some events are depicted from uh, its point of view, describing itself as a superior being, um, referring to humans as mere toys. I mean, that, that's kind of, you know... I think that kind of thing is fair enough in the sense of I still think that's worth keeping like the idea of that in the movie of like it's this like creature this... just it, it sees itself as beyond humanity and just it it doesn't care for these like lower forms it's just to feed on 
Well, that's the, like what also means it's the unknown, isn't it? It's this being where it has existed for an incomprehensible amount of time. Like its mm-hmm. its view of human life is the same as like you know a fucking bacterium. Yeah, like it has existed for such a long period of time that like the only way it can derive any sort of enjoyment is like from our own suffering. Do you know, is I guess pretty messed up, but so is the things that we do to animals. So yeah. And that's like one of those things. There's a really great. Uh, I'll see if I can track it down. Like during the break, there's a really great uh, like description of the difference between fear and terror. Mm. I'll try and break. Like do you like Lovecraftian terror. I'll mm-hmm. try and like break that. I'll try and find that um, uh, during the break because it's fucking like harrowing to read, and it's a really interesting way of summing up. But yeah, that's the it character. It says in the television and film series, it is portrayed by English actor Tim Curry. Um, it also has a cameo appearance in Space Jam A New Legacy. Yeah, because why not put, like, you know, It the Clown and characters from A Clockwork Orange in a kid's movie? Yep. Why not? It makes perfect sense. I, I, I wouldn't mind, though, if it was, like, they bring in all these characters to dunk. Like, if, if Pennywise the Clown all of a sudden was part of a dunking competition in that movie, I'd, I'd start forgiving it. Yeah, and like it's worth pointing out as well. Like you said Tim Curry, obviously, not no one's going to approach his performance, but mm. it is worth pointing out some of the stuff they did for the the twenty seventeen like reboot or remake. I forget what they build it as, but um, like for example, Bill Skarsgård like is able to like manipulate his face in a way that is very scary. They also mm-hmm. for one scene, which I think is one of the more visually dis- like impressive and like scenes that scares people. Is where it climbs out of a safe. And they okay. actually did that for real by getting a contortionist who was able to cram themselves into the safe and crawl out. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that they did that for real. Like they found a way to make this really unsettling visual even more unsettling because you look at it and go, how do you fake that? And it's like, it's not fake. That's a real person. <laughs> that's like, just like a clown, like contorted and snapping their limbs, or seemingly, to like crawl out of a safe. Yeah. The... The stuff that you see from physical actors and a lot of contortionists and stuff, it's like it do, it does look unreal at times. Yeah, there's a again, find a film. I'll have to look it up after the fact now because there's another film they do, and I forget the name of it. But um, basically, there is like it's like a cult, and they're worshiping um, like some demonic entity, and they mm. kill someone as they're dancing. Right, and like the lady who plays the dancer who's being killed, basically all of her bones and limbs break as she's dancing. Oh god! Because like like you're playing with a doll, but the mm-hmm. person who's doing that is like a professional ballerina slash contortionist. So she's actually able to do like throw her arms backwards and bend her limbs the wrong way around, and it is so painful to watch. Mm-hmm. Because and they have these like long lingering shots on her like contorted on the floor with her limbs in uncomfortable awkward, impossible positions as, like, the sound effects of the playing breaking noises. And obviously, she's fine. But you look at that and you're like, oh! You, you just and don't like it. That's a thing where you can watch somebody do that and it'd be uncomfortable, but then, obviously, the extra effects of, like, the audio design, as you say, and stuff, they just add that level of just horrifyingness to it. Yeah, so the film is um, Suspiria. And if anyone wants to see it, just go to YouTube and look for the deformative dance. And be warned, it is incredibly unsettling. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but that's a really good film. I just couldn't remember the name of it because I, I watched so many horror movies. Yeah, I, I definitely know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I highly recommend like going to watch that and just seeing like again, that's just an actual dancer slash contortionist, just absolutely knocking it out of the park in tandem with like you know, some phenomenal acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've got a few things here, to, like a, bit of, a few details maybe worth pointing out. For, like, uh, so Pennywise is portrayed by Swedish actor uh, Bill Skarsgård in the remake. However, English actor Will Poulter was originally cast with uh, Curry describing the role as a wonderful part and wishing Poulter the best of luck. But he drops out of production due to scheduling conflicts. And I'm now thinking, like, Will Poulter, like, every, if people don't know Will Poulter, the guy with the eyebrows. He was recently um, Adam Warlock in yeah. Award Guardians 3. It's like, Skarsgård does have, like, a very strong face. He has very strong features. But I feel like Will Poulter might have been better because he has a softer face. Like he's I was going to say, Will Poulter's like the opposite. Obviously not so much like now that he's an adult who's been working out for like a Marvel film and all that, but you look at him, you know, when he was a young adult and he had such like soft round features. And that's what I think. I wonder like, how what would have changed the penny. Would it have been closer to Tim Curry's? Because Tim Curry, you know, he has soft features, but he has that great like characterful face. Like mm-hmm. He's able to like manipulate his face so much more than like other actors of his time. And he has like, you know, his, the range of his voice. So I'm wondering how different that would be, like Will Poulter with like the softer features. Would it have made mm-hmm. like Pennywise look more approachable and therefore been closer to like the original intention? Because like they cast Bill Skarsgård, they put him in the makeup, went, well, he's fucking terrifying already. So that's we, we, the thing, no though, one's going to believe it? that this guy bit a lure a child away without the child screaming. <laughs> yeah, to fucking like, make it scary the entire time. He looks terrifying. Apologies for the dogs going ham. They're scared. They are. It's like they're trying to just scare away Pennywise. Well, that's the thing. You've got to. He'll, he'll come get you. And yeah, that's like, you know, and then there's like the, the last thing is the association with the 2016 clown sightings. Remember there's that weird period of time where there was just scary clowns with knives hanging around just as part of this weird, like, organic flash mob? Remember that? In just did, 2016 did where the, the internet clowns... just decide to go and freak people the fuck out? Yeah. Do you not remember that? Like, it's in 2016 where loads of people wearing clown costumes were running around with knives. Yeah, that was just a thing. And that's it. Do you remember like, how bad 2016 was? Like That was the <laughs> year where all the celebrities died and like everything went wrong. And we thought, we can't get worse than this. And it did. But like it's one of the just... bookends to that year is that randomly there were just clowns with knives just hanging around and scaring people. That sounds like a real easy way to get yourself killed. A lot of people did get beaten up, yes. Yeah. There yeah. was a lot of people who got into fist fights. Like... You know, especially if that's happened in America. Like, if I saw someone just stood there as a clown with a knife in my back garden, I'd probably shoot them on sight. Because that's the thing, they have, like, uh, jokes like, we've got TikTok now, and everyone's just like, oh yeah, prank. Have you seen those ones of, like, they've got pranks, where it's like, prank, in big air quotes. Like, let's just walk mm. into someone's house and see what they do. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's, like, people getting the shit kicked out of them, like, well, it's just a prank, bro. It's like, you broke into my home when my children were present with yeah. a camera. Like, yeah, that, that's just... Uh, it's Don't like it, speed, speed running the Darwin Award, isn't it? It is indeed. But yeah, that's, that's It the Clown. That's how I say it. Pennywise the Clown, It the Creature. I use yes. both interchangeably because yeah. the clown is so iconic an image. Mm-hmm. Like, that thing is, before this, I wouldn't have known whether Pennywise the Clown and It were the same thing or mm-hmm. whether 
Like, you know, it was just the name of the movie, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but yeah. definitely one of the, the most distinctive visuals in any kind of horror franchise. Might be one of the strongest um, uh, like horror visuals in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's up there with like uh, like Nosferatu at the door and you know Jason kicking his way down or like Leatherface with his chainsaw, Pennywise with that balloon. Mm-hmm. We never got Pennywise or Ate the Creature in Mortal Kombat. I do know they want to put it in. I know like one of the, the mm-hmm. um, like Ed Boon has been teasing for years. He wants to make that horror movie game. Mm-hmm. So he said yeah. like um, he wants to put like Pinhead and Pennywise into a game. Of course, yeah. Now we've got the new one with a cameo system. Get Chucky in as a cameo. <laughs> you could do it. Chucky as a cameo would be great. It'd be a great cameo, yeah. It's this little kid with the knife just coming at your shins. That's the one. Nice thing is a couple of like iconic horror movie villains. When you think about like Pennywise, <laughs> two movies on television, two television movies, not even like feature. Is that films. all it was? Two television movies, yeah. Wow. And that's how iconic the visual was. Yeah. That's how good Tim Curry was. Because like, he's the best part of that film. Like, mm-hmm. the, ki- the first one's all right because the kid actors are pretty good. But it's that problem of all the adult actors they hired for the second part are terrible. Mm. They are such bad actors and they're not funny. And one of them's a comedian who wrote all his own jokes. And it's like, oh, no, he's trying. He's trying. Oh, dear. But still worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I think we uh we'll take a quick break while I try and just make sure that my throat isn't completely dying. Like clear out your throat, yes. Yeah. So um apologies for any like coughing or barking that I've had on my end. Um but I'm I'm trying to like power through and make content for free for you all. So Hell yeah, forgive me. Good. So Lucas will be back and I did manage to find the thing I mentioned um uh, during my wiki entry. Okay. And specifically, it's the difference between like you know terror and madness. Specifically, the definition of madness, and this comes from a Tumblr post of all things I use mm-hmm. called Bramble Sand, and I'm going to read it in its entirety verbatim here. People, especially games, uh, get eldritch madness wrong a lot, and it's such a shame. An ant, for example, doesn't start babbling when they see a circuit board; they find it strange. To them, it's a landscape of strange angles and humming monoliths. They may be scared, but that's not madness. Madness comes when the ant, but for a moment, can see as a human does. It understands those markings of words, symbols with meaning, like a pheromone, but infinitely more complex. It can travel unimaginable distances to lands unlike anything it has seen or witnessed before. It knows of mirth, embarrassment, love, concepts unimaginable before this moment. And then, it is an ant again. Echoes of things it cannot comprehend swirl about its mind. It cannot make use of this knowledge, but it still remembers. How is it supposed to return to its life as an ant? The more the ant saw, the harder it is for it to forget. It needs to see it again, understand again. It will do anything to show others, to show itself. Nothing else in this tiny world matters. This is madness. And I just thought that was like such a great, like, uh, just example of that concept. People mm-hmm. think like, why is it like this? Unimag- the unimaginable. Why would it be so scary? So it's not like it's scary. It drives you to madness. It's like, you know, now imagine you're witnessing. Your human life from the perspective of like you know this eldritch being that has incomprehensibly long lifespan, it's able to like you know view the universe on a scale um, mm-hmm. like hitherto unfathomable to humanity. That would drive you mad, wouldn't it? And I love that idea. And did you say interesting bookend? Did you say that was Stephen King as well? Uh, no, that's uh, Eldritch Madness, that's Bramble Sand. Oh, okay. just someone on, someone on Tumblr 
just like got this thing. It's a breakdown of what the difference is between terror, horror, and madness. As you know, in regards to like Lovecraftian horror, it's like it drives them mad. So is it, mm-hmm. Does it drive them mad? Is it scary? It's like no, because like if it was scary, yeah, sure, but madness is something altogether different. And I just yeah, really enjoy sure. that breakdown of like imagine you were an ant and you saw mm-hmm. like writing for the first time. And not just saw it, but like comprehended it. Yeah, but then imagine then you got shoved straight back into the body of an ant and can no longer use that knowledge. You the thing is, mad. I think that obviously like it's um, very different things. But to me as a human, writing sounds a lot simpler than like vomiting information into each other. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of like chemically vomiting information into your mouth sounds like insanity to me and i think that's like how ants communicate right it's like something yeah. along those lines anyway well there's that other thing isn't there? there's that uh it's like there's a subreddit and there's like a bunch of other like communities that are all right the idea of like humans are space orcs like mm. if you think about like things that humans do seemingly just on instincts imagine like if you actually break down what we're actually doing in that moment it's almost unfathomable to like think about how complex that like series of action is like an example that often gets used is you can pick up a bottle that's completely mm. opaque and just by shaking it, know roughly how full that is. Mm-hmm. And like that sounds simple, right? That seems like such an easy thing. You, you pick it up and you shake it. Okay, yeah. Now think about how many like separate like, you know, things are converging for you to just know that almost instantaneously without any sort of um, uh, like actual direct thought from yourself. It's just something you instinctually know. Mm-hmm. Or the idea that you know we can like you know hear through walls, like you can hear sounds produced like airwaves because they bounce off of walls, or see things that are like millions of miles away, or the fact that our bodies can recover from like the most horrific of traumas and we can still keep going. Mm. That, right? You know we can gain sustenance from stuff that would kill other animals, sort of thing. True. Yeah. We're just like they're just fun thought experiments, like, you know, and they're the kind of things like horror and sci-fi. And uh, they're like areas they like to explore. That's why I love this, mm-hmm. like, those um, genres. But, you know, speaking of which, what have you brought to the table today, Montbrayer? I mean, I have, I have brought, obviously, something as well, like, uh, around the, the spooky season. Spooky season, yes. But I've definitely gone for something that's a bit more, so, shall we say, on the shallow end. Okay. There's no talk about, like, madness Just or anything horror. like that. There's no eldritch horror. Okay. But there are some spooky ghosts. I want to talk about spooky ghosts. I about spooky ghosts. I'm going to talk today about the video game Luigi's Mansion. Okay, well, that's the scariest thing ever. <laughs> Just, you know, Luigi lost Mario. What's more terrifying than that? Well, it's that great bit, isn't it? It's like, hey, Luigi, stop getting haunted mansions. Like, they're free. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you can't, I get it. it's like, you know, he's a, they're free. They keep giving me houses for free. They're haunted, but they're free. <laughs> that's like, Lucas, but as there's, a millennial. There's a chance that the next free mansion might not be haunted, Carl. Yeah, Lucas, as a millennial, if someone offered you a free house, but it might be haunted, would you take it? I'd take it 100%. I'd take it in a heartbeat. <laughs> it beats paying fucking rent, doesn't it? But it does. And yeah, I just, I, I love the idea that it's a, but yeah, they're free. It's a free mansion. I've won a free mansion. It's a, okay, but it's on the top of clearly a spooky haunted hill. It's a, but it's a free mansion. It's free, isn't it? 
<laughs> well, it's like there's that great. Uh, I think it's like uh, the imagine if aliens came to Earth right now, and they and they came in like we're going to take over the world, and like okay, what are your demands? Okay, we're going to slaughter your leaders. We're going to like you know harness all of your natural resources and force you to work. And it's like okay, so what's the difference? <laughs> so if aliens came to Earth tomorrow and said we're going to incinerate all of your leaders, ninety nine percent of people like sick, get on it. <laughs> yeah, let's go. We won't give a shit. Can you take out the billionaires while you're at it? Yeah. Oh dear. But uh, yeah, not only you know is this mansion haunted, it's filled with gold. So win win. Filled with go- it's filled with ghosts, but it's also filled with gold, and it's free. It's a good I'll deal. Take it. It's a good right. deal. <laughs> it's like it reminds me of like. I hate those would you rather questions where people just don't comprehend how hard up some people are. It's like, would you? And it's like, well, does it involve money? And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, yeah. The answer is yes. And it's like, oh, would you like endure like some minor inconvenience for the rest of your life to never have to worry about money? It's like, yes, because the biggest inconvenience in my life is lack of money. <laughs> like, there is no limit to it. It's like, would you like, you know, lose a limb for this amount? It's like, yes, of course I would, because I'd just buy mm-hmm. a new one. Like people really don't understand like, how much of a motivator money is for literally every aspect of everyday life. Yeah. But, yeah, Luigi's Mansion, um, and then it says Japanese, and then Luigi's Mansion, is a game released in September 2001 as a Nintendo GameCube launch title. It initially started off as a tech demo, but the producers decided to make it a game, presumably because they didn't have something with Mario for launch. Imagine if it's it's just, like, I want Luigi's Mansion and I want Mario's Mansion <laughs> and I want that to be where Mario Party happens and just like you look next door and see Luigi like oh god there's ghosts everywhere and Mario's just chilly in his pool like, I sure do love being Mario and I, I really enjoy the, the kind of twist that Luigi's Mansion has of like it took Luigi who you know for the most part was like the palette swap second brother that nobody wants to play as or like you know, he had a bit of characteristics in terms of, like, being a bit of, like, the slippy and slidey character and a little yeah. bit taller. He's a guy on Tinder where his personality for years is he's slightly tall. Yeah. And, um, no, this, this like, just characterised him a lot more, made him, you know, the star of his own franchise and associated him with, like, kind of this, you know, horror, quote-unquote, franchise, like the, the kids' horror game. It did give you much more personality. Like, you made him, like... <coughs> admittedly, his personality is not great. He's scared. But then he's also courageous, because courage is doing something even when you're scared. And even though Luigi's mm-hmm. terrified of his ghosts, he still goes and saves the day. And I find this quite funny. Um, it marks the second time where Luigi is the main character with Mario being trapped, following Mario is missing. So it's like, the, every time is. Oh, Luigi's a protagonist. It's because Mario's not there. Yeah, when are we just going to have, like... I want there to be a series of games that tell us what Luigi was doing when Mario was doing, like, Mario Sunshine. <laughs> but I want, like... They should, like... Why is there not, like, a puzzle game that's just... Lu- like, or a management sim that's Luigi trying to run the Mario Bros plumbing business when his brother's missing? Oh, God. And, um... That's one of my favourite things about, um... <coughs> Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door mm-hmm. is that you go through the game and Luigi's never a party character but Luigi is there and every time you meet Luigi he tells you about like the next grand adventure that he's just been on Yeah, 
That's and, like right, how he's it. just saved the day off screen. But then you speak to his party members and they're all like, not sure it's quite how that went down. But yeah, sure, Luigi. Sure. Yeah. You do you. To be fair, yeah. like, imagine living in that guy, like the, the shadow of Mario, where he is. The most famous man in the world, married to a princess, a quadruple, quintuple, septuple Olympic winner. I mean, <laughs> you know. A doctor. Imagine, like, when you go home for, like, Thanksgiving, and you're talking to the parents, like, oh, so Mario, uh, this year you become a doctor. Is that, yeah, shits and giggles in between the Olympics. <laughs> Luigi, what did you do? Hey, there's a Doctor Luigi game now. Is there? Okay. The one one came out on like the Wii U at some point, and it might have been something to do with the year of Luigi. I can't remember. It's like yeah, Mario's the one who's like got the he's got the doctorate. He's got like he's the one who invites him to the karting races. He's a professional like like international fighting star, and then Luigi's just there. I mean, the one thing they've both got is that they both can't get the princess. They can't. No. Like Peach is not getting shackled down by Mario anytime soon. You see it's like in Mario Odyssey when um, Mario saves Peach at the end, and it's like, oh, like, are we gonna get married? And Peach, like, I'm off, I'm off on my travels. Yeah, fuck you two. Like, fe- I don't want to marry either of you. Single female lawyer, let's go. Oh, but uh, the game is notable for its dark tone, but a parodical take on a survival horror gameplay, as well as debuting the series staples, Professor Egad and King Boo. Oh, so King Boo comes from that game, then? I always thought, well, there, surely yeah. there was a King Boo in one of the 2D games. Or was that just a Big um, Boo? There's Big Boos, but there's okay. not King Boo. Because that was always like the thing. It's like Mario lore is so weird in that sense. Of like, um, it's similar with like Piranha Plant. There's Piranha, Piranha Plant is the just generic Piranha Plant, like the one in Smash Bros. is just Piranha Plant. Yeah. And then you've got PC Piranha that is a character that is a big Piranha Plant. Mm-hmm. But that's a specific one-person character in the series of, like, Mario, similar with King Boo. And they're both, like, Mario Kart Double Dash characters, for example. Okay, so who's your favourite, like, big Mario villain? Why is it King Bob-omb? Oh, so, King uh, Bob-omb's great, King yeah. King so good, he's just a bomb with a moustache. It's like, <laughs> oh, and then you got Sumo Wrestling. Sumo Wrestle a bomb with a moustache, and it's the first level. That's the first level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I adore King Bob and just, like, coming back of, like, I'll, I'll definitely beat you this time, and Mario just picks you up again and throws you off a mountain. It's like, oh. But I do respect King Boo, just... He, he, I think King Boo might be, like, the only Mario villain to actually just straight-up defeat Mario. Yeah. Because the entire premise of Luigi's Mansion is that Mario is been trapped by King Boo and Mario was defeated and you have to save Mario. Yeah, Luigi's got to come in, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. That's like one of the subtle illusions of that Luigi might be stronger and better than Mario because he's certainly faster. <laughs> he's faster. He can jump higher. And to be fair, though, Mario didn't have the poltergust. To be, yes. So Mario didn't have the equipment needed to defeat a ghost, whereas Luigi did. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah. Just it says here, I'll briefly touch on the plot if like people aren't actually aware of what happened. Luigi inherits um, It's free! <laughs> so it's like, Professor Elvin Gad, pro- pro- known as Professor Egad, because like, Egad's meant to be like an exclamation of being like, scared. Egad's a ghost! Yeah. Um, they were studying ghosts and had developed a method of capturing malicious spirits 
and trapping them within paintings via the usage of the Poltergust 3000 and the Ghost Portrification as a... I think that's the word. <laughs> um, and using these contraptions, he manages to capture a large assortment of dangerous ghosts, putting them out of commission, seemingly for good. However, Dad made an overzealous mistake when he tried to capture Bulossus, who just so happened to be the greatest ally of King Boo, supreme ruler of the Boos. I love as well. Did you tell me is it like the Boo is based on some developer's wife? Where so there's like, like a, a running joke of like apparently, um, yeah, one of the developers when they were making the Boo said like, "Oh, my wife is really scared around like people in public and really timid, but behind closed doors, like she's really scary mm-hmm. and like." You know, I, I don't think that's meant in, like, a horrible way. I think it's more meant, like, you know, in a, she, she's a teasing like, way. Yeah, she's very demure and quiet in person. But, uh, you know, behind closed doors, like, she can be quite scary. It's like, no, I don't mm-hmm. believe that. Look at her. She's over. It's like, no, she behind. Yeah. That's yeah. That's like the way like, when you face them down, like, you know, they're fine. They're timid. They'll run away. As soon as you turn your back, they're like, they'll get you. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, basically, King Boo just, like, then storms Egad's laboratory with a Boo army. Um, and then King Boo used his magic to then conjure a, a monstrous mansion for the ghost to take residence in. Um, King Boo then hid inside with his fellow Boos, took advantage of the situation in an attempt to capture both Mario and Luigi. Um... And then following this, King Boo sent out a false prize voucher for a mansion. Despite having never even entered it a contest to receive said mansion, Mario and Luigi were nonetheless excited. If a bit skeptical. Yeah, I'd like is a you want a free mansion. It's like, fuck yeah, free mansion. Just all you need to do is send me five thousand pounds first as a deposit, and then you'll you'll win your free mansion, don't worry. Totally legit. So yeah, Mario went to check out the mansion right away. Luigi lagged behind. During this time, Mario was captured with minimal effort. The ghost planned to to surprise Luigi now that his big brother has been captured, so they hid in the storage room of the mansion. And then, obviously, uh, the game ensues where, essentially, Luigi then makes his way over to the mansion, Mm -hmm. gets surprised by the ghosts, finds Egad, and then gets all his equipment to go and save the day. And kicks their fucking ass. He he really does, and it's it's one of those of it. It's not a massively long game. It was like a launch title again, derived from just a tech demo that was meant to show off what the GameCube could do. And um, I miss those. Yeah, I, I miss when tech demos showcase like interesting things the console could do, like physics and mechanics wise, instead mm-hmm. of just like look at how pretty this looks. Like that Matrix one. It's like look at how realistic this looks. Like okay, but is it fun to play? Mm-hmm. Now, it's like you're walking around inside the Matrix. Cool. Like, your, like movie, um, your movie's told that this sucks. So, the one that we have brought quite a few times, where it's like the Unreal Engine Five demo, and people were like, "This looks like the greatest game of all time." Like, I can't wait to abandon every other game I've never played to play this one game. It's like it wasn't even a game. It was a pretty tech demo that has no game behind it. It's the joke we always make, isn't it? We always make reference to the Unreal 4 field, where like just there was that period for like five years where it's like, this is what Mario looks like in Unreal, and it's him just mm-hmm. running around on a grassy field. 
with yeah. bad physics. It's like, okay, it looks shiny, it looks pretty, but is it fun to play? And the answer yeah. is no. It's like, here's, here's what Pokemon should be. And it's like one Charizard on the Unreal 4 field. The, the generic it's staple like, field, yeah. It's like, uh, so, so that's what Pokemon should be now. Well, it's basically what it is, isn't it? It's just a Charizard I mean, running around an empty box. At, le- at least that looked good. Now Pokemon doesn't even do Yeah. That. But I, I missed those years. So we had, like, was it Rock Band Ping Pong? That was a tech demo, just to show off, like, their um, like their shading stuff in the, um, the physics engine. Like... Rock band table tennis. Uh, uh, rock star table tennis. I was oh right. I, I yeah. said rock band ping pong. I said no. Rock star uh, table like, tennis. I was like, what is rock band ping pong? No, sorry, I was like, I, was, I, was, I no, had multiple yeah, yeah. things in my head. I, I'm I'm now excited to see what rock band ping pong was. It wasn't a thing. That was what was it? Like um, just rock star table tennis with a tech demo, wasn't it? Just to show off their new physics engine. I think so. And then obviously they they made that a game in itself and a very well rated game at the time as well. Um. And it goes through, like, there's a big section here on the gameplay, but essentially um, it is almost a parody of, like, games, like, akin to Resident Evil. Um, oh, no, Carl, I've lost you. <laughs> Just a thought it was an interesting conversation. I could go look up games that were tech demos. <laughs> yeah, what fun, did you right? find? The number one in 2006 as Rockstar Games presents table tennis was it was demonstrating the Rockstar Advanced Game Engine, the Rage Engine, which they utilized mm-hmm. for Grand Theft Auto 4 and Red Dead Redemption. Which, you know, good games. Yeah. Sonic Unleashed was the first game to use the Hedgehog Engine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Just reading the Hedgehog Engine just fucking slayed me. Oh. Lucas, the the hedgehog engine. The one that always gets me is oh. not necessarily like that comedic, but just speaking of uh, Resident Evil, is like the RE engine. Oh, yeah. Okay, the the RE engine came out for like Resident Evil Seven, I think they started it with, and they use it for a bunch of Capcom games nowadays. And yeah, okay, yeah, the RE engine, the Resident Evil engine, mm-hmm. but of course. The Resident Evil games are called Biohazard in Japan, where they made the engine. And it's like, no, it's Reach for the Moon. Which is why it's a hand reaching towards the moon in the logo. And it's the it's not the Resident Evil engine, it's the Reach for the Moon engine. And it's like, okay, but it just so happens that the RE was used for Resident Evil. and So for years I was just like, oh yeah, the Resident Evil engine. And it's like, no, no, it's just... A vague statement of like reach for the moon. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry that I went off. I just I read Hedgehog Engine. I Hedgehog I, Engine. I, I couldn't keep it together. And I, I presume another one that um people would bring up is like the idea of Mario 128, the tech demo where there was 128 little Mario's running around on like mm. different warp pink surfaces and stuff. Like the idea of that got put into Pikmin. Um, it was like where's Mario 128? It's like well. Can you think of another Nintendo game that came out around the same time where you had a hundred characters on screen running around? Yeah, so it was Pikmin. Um, but yeah, it's like they had for the gameplay just like an arcade-style camera system with controls that emulate those of a third-person shooter. Only instead of shooting a gun, the player is operating a modified vacuum cleaner, um, and then like also you use the flashlight, and it's basically um, a system of like you shine your light. 
on a ghost to make it vulnerable and then use the poltergust on it. Which is a pretty and common thing, I think. Um, a fatal frame is another game where it uses that one as a Alan Wake as well. Um, yeah. it's, it's a great way of just getting immediate like um, uh, like production value because he gets shot off like just the light. Exactly, yeah. It's like looks, it looks good, but then again, it immediately puts you at a disadvantage because you can mm-hmm. see, but you've got to stop moving and you can only see what direct the way you're looking. And they make really good use of lighting in that game of like a lot of the time there's there's always a perpetual storm in Luigi's Mansion, of course. Maybe one of the things it was showing off, wouldn't and, it? Like the lighting engine, the physics, all that stuff. But that also means that in through the windows, you get like the lightning coming through to occasionally shine light into the rooms occasionally. And like sometimes you'll see like secrets revealed when lightning comes through the window and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, what was that? And then you shine the light around the room. Again, the the flashlight being a dynamic light, that really shows off what the tech can do. And uh, they also had um, a few rooms where they use like big, massive mirrors to show off real time reflections. Yeah, isn't that as well like something? As you've gotten older, you've really started to appreciate more of that lighting. So I, mm-hmm. I've seen like I remember when we were younger, like Doom Three came out, and like the big push for that was lighting. Which wasn't, yeah. and then it's like, no, we want graphics, and now graphics are basically a solved issue. They're not going to really get much better. So now it's lighting. Lighting's the thing people want. It's like you do appreciate good lighting and good sound yeah. mixing in games now. Like games running at like 4K, you know, how much more can we really get in terms of like actual physical details on an ab- on an object? Mate, it's I- like. Yeah. We're getting diminishing returns. It's not reached an endpoint, but diminishing returns. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe when like MK One's trailer came out. People were like, "Wow, this looks bad." Mm-hmm. It's like the character models look fucking <coughs> flawless. Yeah, that game looks great, and yeah, we've based, we've solved it. It's like, it's, it's done. Yeah, sure, they can look a little bit better over time than they will, but. There's no magical leaps that you get in between generations like they used to be because, no. yeah, we've reached that law of diminishing returns on it. And it's always nice to see when a game isn't just focused on, like, well, the graphics are slightly better this time. It's like, no, we've now used the the extra power for, like, cool physics engine stuff What's and the, things like that. It's when we get asked, to, like, what game do we think looks the best? We say it's, like, Dragon Ball Fighters. Well, like it looks like an anime come to life, like stuff like that. Or like you always mention, like, is it Wind Waker, which is one where it has like basically they tried to do a HD port of it and realized, oh, we don't need to. The models it's are like, so good, we basically don't need to do anything to them because they look fucking flawless. They basically just like changed the lighting, removed like the real thick lines on the cell shade, and went. This game really holds up. I don't know what to tell you. Just. We don't need to completely remake this from the ground up. It just still looks good. Yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, we'll move on to just reception and sales of Luigi Mansion. I imagine it's been quite popular. It's, it's one of those series where it's like cause people love Luigi. I don't. I've never met anyone who dislikes Luigi. Is, people don't. It's a weird thing because if you ask anyone, like, what's your favorite Mario character? I rarely meet a person that says Mario, but people didn't want. A Mario series game that wasn't like a 3D platformer. Mm-hmm. Like they wanted the Mario 128. They wanted Mario 64 on the GameCube kind of thing. And eventually we got Sunshine and people were let down by Sunshine and that's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was like, okay, Luigi's in the game, but I 
you know, people didn't want a launch game of like, oh, it's a parody on Resident Evil mm-hmm. starring Luigi. They No, they wanted a 3D platformer. I also feel as well that, like, Luigi's a character where, because he's got, no one dislikes Luigi. You can be like, okay, we're just going to make a, a game. With, that's a horror game. Let's not put Mario in it. That'd be too dangerous. You know, if it, if it flops, that's like, it diminishes the Mario brand. Let's put mm-hmm. Luigi in it. <laughs> Luigi can have a couple flops. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I still find it funny. I mentioned earlier um, the year of Luigi, famously the worst financial year in like all of modern Nintendo. Yeah, and it, like that's not Luigi's fault. It was just on the back end of like the Wii U being a disappointment, the 3DS starting to yeah. like calm down a bit. It's just it's that thing. It's um, it's <laughs> symbolic, isn't it? Of like the mm-hmm. the worst year they had financially is the year they decide to like tout like the eternal understudy as he's known, the, the constant yeah. second fiddle. <laughs> but um, it did receive overall positive reception, being praised for its graphics, design, gameplay, voice acting, and puzzles. However, it was criticised for its short length, with many stating it could be beaten in around six hours. Oh, no, a six-hour experience, that's really fun. Mm-hmm. Lots of replayability and enjoyment. And as I've just mentioned multiple times, like with Resident Evil games, say, yeah, fun games that can be beaten in maybe like sometimes if you you know on second runs and stuff, a couple of hours. And they're just like phenomenal games, but yeah, the game's a couple hours long and it's really fun. People will replay that game. Mm -hmm. Well, I've just got like a list of the things that have been shown off here. Unless you've got like. Is there anything mentioned, like, the specific things it was designed to show off? Because I've just got, like, a, a brief, like, checkpoint list of all the things that the game was designed to showcase. That the game uh, was no, I haven't. Um, I do does say here that it was awarded 2002 BAFTA Interactive Entertainment Award for Best Audio. Well, that's one of the things it says here. So it was a test for stereoscopic 3D audio. Um, it oh, also yeah. was designed to showcase fire effects, water effects, ice effects, Transparent effects, i.e., like, you know, the glowing ghosts, includes mm-hmm. like the translucent effects, um, the flashlight technology, the wind tunnel, like, and the cloth effects, because the wind affects like curtains and things like that. It also mm. shows off the high poly count of the game by showing how round it made all the doorknobs. <laughs> and they are like front and center in a lot of scenes. Uh, the doorknobs are, yeah. are also supposedly a jab at Resident Evil and its dynamic loading cutscenes with locked doors, and you can skip them immediately, which has the like, it's a quite subtle, but nonetheless impressive showcase of how f- much faster loading is on a GameCube. That mm-hmm. like, you can see how good, I, like the impressively modelled these things are. But also, you can skip it if you want. Yeah, that's a really funny little job. It also showcases but... the full extent of the use of the controller, making use of the C stick and the analog and shoulder buttons, mm-hmm. which are integral to the gameplay. So it's just a thing. It basically showcases like every aspect of what the console can do, as well as all the features. Yeah, and that's why I always love about uh, kind of you know the first year or so of a game console's like life cycle. People get real big with it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of experimental things that are trying to utilize all of the different functions of the uh, the system, and that usually ends up in a lot of bad games. But sometimes something like Luigi's Mansion like succeeds to show it all off, and. Yeah. Sometimes I think the most recent example is um, Astro's Playroom. Yeah, sometimes you'll get like a lair. Other times you'll get a Luigi's Mansion. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, it's really funny to me. Like, it's not 
an incredible game or anything, but the idea that the the real knock on the game at the time was like, it's not Mario and it's short. And by short, it's like maybe six hours plus. It's like, I don't really see those as massive knocks. Again, as I've gotten older, I really appreciate games that don't waste my time. It's like mm-hmm. Ubisoft games, 100 hours of gameplay. So, okay, so how much of it is pointless busy work? Yeah. 75%? Cool. Great. Fantastic. Um, we'll just end on some trivia, Carl. Let's go. Um, the ending of the game is similar to the endings of the Wario Land series. The more treasure collected, the more beautiful and luxurious the reward at the end. And in this case, it's what mansion you get at the end. I want to see if you like if you don't get any coins and you just get like a one-bed studio apartment. I, I can't. So Luigi's Mansion, different endings. Let's have a look. It's like um, the worst ending is just him and Mario living in a, an apartment together. <laughs> what do you mean, like, in the movie? Yeah. Why um, don't you use your accent no more? Oh, my God. The the dogs downstairs are just going absolutely mental. So I can't hear them, but, yeah. So, um, go Charles Martin. His last role as Mario. Okay, so... Mario's dad. How fitting. Um... You're going around to rank, there's rank D, rank E, there's a tiny little house, rank F. Okay, so even rank F, they get a little cottage. Cool. And it's like, they just, they, oh no, in the GameCube version, they get a resemble, oh wait, there's lower than rank F. What is this game? There's, it goes down to rank H. I don't know why I didn't just stop with F. Is that if you just don't complete the game? It's like Luigi um, just gets shot in the back of the head. In both versions, there are rather small tents set up on the hill the mansion used to be on. So you just get a tent. Um, in G rating, you get um, an extremely small one-bedroom shack. Um, so if you get an F rating, an F rating gives you like a proper little symmetrical house. It looks like it's like maybe like a two-bedroom house. Well, it's, yeah, it's one of those things as well, isn't it? Of, um, it is like a a game, but it's still that thing. Like the worst thing they can imagine is that you just get like a one bed house. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know what? I wouldn't be mad if I got given a one bed house for free. Yeah. Um, but of course, if you get like the A and S ranks and stuff, you just get like glorious mansions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just really funny to me that like the idea of like you you fucking failed. What a failure you are. You get a two-bedroom house. It's like, take your house and get the fuck out. <laughs> like, take your free, like, you know, tax-free house and get the fuck <laughs> out of my sight. I had uh, one other note here as well. that You mentioned um, th- the stereoscopic 3D audio. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the game was developed with stereoscopic 3D functionality built in, and it was one of the only titles on the GameCube to have the feature. However, uh, implementing such a feature was more, far more ambitious than Nintendo had anticipated. The planned peripheral um, that accessed the feature was may, way more expensive than they planned, so therefore yeah. it was scrapped. That's one of those and things, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's so many of those like features that just don't get implemented because they cost too much money to do. Yeah, and it's literally the feature is in the game and it was just hidden in code so players couldn't access it. So that there genuinely is actual, like, 3D visuals built into that GameCube game 
you just you can't access it without you know the idea of I guess hacking into the game and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that um, led into the fact that um, it was re-released on the 3DS, and therefore they could utilize the 3D function of the game that was already coded in. But yeah, I love the idea that like the 3DS remake I don't think was like a spectacular remake or anything, mm-hmm. but that was finally what 15 years later or something we finally got to see Luigi's Mansion programmed in 3D like it was intended. Yeah, like the idea that just all those years ago they intended for that. It's like when you find out stuff like, just wait, they had this back then, it's like, yeah, just mm-hmm. it wasn't cost effective to implement it. Yeah. It's just it, the work was done, it's in the game, but because the peripheral that would let you access it has been scrapped, it got scrapped. Yep. And he's like, wait, always... you just... You, you just have that. And it's like, oh, yeah, we had it. Had it working. <laughs> yeah. It was like there's a bunch of stuff like that where they just had some random shit working and like mm-hmm. no one can believe that they had it. Yeah, there's this a bunch of examples. Like, you know, I would recommend people go look up cases of it, but there's so much like unused content in video games that is left on disc that is just stuff that was like working and, you know, bonus balls and extra modes and things like that that are just on the game and just you can't access without hacking the game. Yeah. Well, it's like I've been playing through Baldur's Gate 3 recently and, like, mm-hmm. there is, like, an entire extra half of the game. Like, keep in mind the game's, like, 100 hours long. There's, mm. like, there's like 8,000 unused lines of dialogue in the game and entire oh, quest God. lines that they just had to cut. Like, one, to the point where, like, one of the main characters, like, has half their story missing because they just it's, it's on the disc we're waiting for it to get implemented. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but yeah. That was Luigi's Mansion. Hell yeah. It was Luigi's Mansion and the Hedgehog Engine. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, can't get over the he- I can't get over it. It's I can't like, get over Hedgehog Engine, Lucas. Why? I, I mean, it may, that's the thing is, to me, I get more frustrated by like the RE engine. So I'm like, that means nothing. At least the Hedgehog Engine, I know what it's being developed for. It's the Hedgehog game. That's still love as well, just for anyone that missed it. It's like, Carl, just explain the Warhog. <laughs> really? Okay. So, in Sonic Unleashed, which is like probably one of the edgiest Sonic games, which is saying something for the Sonic franchise, <laughs> the gimmick of that game is that Sonic becomes a Warhog, which means he becomes like, you know, a hedgehog. That's also a werewolf. The problem is, is that Warhog is not the right word to use grammatically because where mm. means like um like both or something like that. Right. So to become a werehog, like that means he'd actually be it'd be like it'd be the werewolf it'd be the hedgehog version of a werewolf. He should he should be a werewolf because he turned into a half wolf, half hedgehog, so he should be a werewolf. But they mm-hmm. call him the werehog, but he has wolf at- like wolf attributes. Which is like if if a human was a werehog it would be someone that could transform into a hedgehog. Or a half-hedgehog hybrid, yes. So when mm-hmm. Sonic becomes a werehog, he should either turn into a human or become a double hedgehog. <laughs> he just becomes a hedgehog that can turn into a hedgehog. Yeah, and that's the thing. But it's like, it's just, that's one of those things of, did they think about it more than not? No, they didn't. They just no. thought it was a cool word. Now that's also so, yeah. where they put the word in of like he has like the Shoryuken they call it the Werehog Huken. And it's like oh, fuck God. off. It's a Shoryuken. But yeah, that just always tickles me is like 
the etymology of werehog literally means that he'd just be turned into a hedgehog. Yeah. But he's already a hedgehog, so he should be a good <laughs> hedgehog. So he should be a werewolf. But that doesn't sound as fun to marketing. No. But yeah, I guess just you know, thank you all for listening and let us know which wiki won this week. Thank Let's you all. Hell yeah.